Hello, hello, and welcome to the Cloud English Podcast. My name is Luke. It is Friday, June 30th, 1893. Yes, that's right. And we are here to talk about, well, a lot of things, including online shopping. We're going to be looking at some useful words and phrases specifically to talk about online shopping. We are going to be looking at how you can make a complaint. If something isn't working, you bought something, it's not what you expected, it's not what you wanted. Maybe you call the customer service department of whoever sold you that piece of junk and you try to get a resolution. How do you explain these things? That's what we're going to focus on as well. I'm going to be answering a common question. In fact, I'm going to be each week for the near foreseeable future going through common questions. So feel free to submit those in the comments. Feel free to send those to me via email. Uh, I'm just taking taking common questions that I see and sort of looking for a trend. Okay, I see a common issue around here or there. So I'm going to be uh, spending a little time focusing on a particular issue that I think will be of interest to, well, people who have an issue with that. <laughs> and let's see what else we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be also, if there are any questions throughout, because we are live, uh, answering those. So again, welcome. It's great to have you here, those watching. Fantastic to have you here live on this beautiful Friday. And those listening and watching later, welcome. You can join every Friday if all goes well. And those listening, great to have you too. Uh, you can watch or listen. Those are all in the links in the description. If you haven't already done so and you are watching, don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe so that you can see future podcasts that are recorded live, as well as videos that I post twice a week, not including, for example, shorts, or I don't know if you want to call them TikToks, whatever they are. So anyway, that's that. Thank you for joining. If you want, you can join the Discord community as well. You can reach out to me there. That's a great place to submit questions or interact with me directly if you have specific questions for me. And that's about that. And also you can get a free course, Natural English Conversations. That is in the links in the description. Okay. And we've already got Marlene here and Mega here. Hello, hello. Welcome, 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 welcome. Good to have you. Okay, so why don't we get into, take a sip of whatever's in this white cup here. This is a sort of classic tin cup and it reminded me of a cowboy coffee cup. And I, so I bought it. What I did not realize is how well that whatever material this is, I don't know if it's, it may be tin, I don't know what it is. Whatever material it is, it conducts heat extraordinarily well. And I didn't foresee that. I guess cowboys have calluses on their hands from wrangling cattle and uh, riding horses and handling ropes and whatnot. And so I didn't necessarily anticipate the heat 
that is involved. But when you put a hot cup of coffee in there, it gets hot to hold for sure. And, and then I realized why people use ceramic cups, because ceramic doesn't conduct heat as well as a metal cup. They should put a warning on it. I don't know if I would have purchased this cowboy cup. I don't know if I would have purchased this cowboy cup had I known about its conductive properties or really thought about that. So now it's really only good for room temperature beverages. Maybe beans. You could put your cowboy beans in there, I think. Anyway. Okay. So let's get into our first topic and hello max good to have you here as well let's get into it let's get into it let's get into it let's get into it okay where's my hold on i'm looking for something here give me one second hello salwa good to have you thanks for joining great to, great to have you here One second. Ah, there we go. All right. What I'd like to do is make sure that you're familiar with the basic vocabulary that you need for online shopping. We often buy stuff online. That's a normal way to do stuff now, right? So how do we talk about it? And it's actually pretty straightforward. So we're going to be going over, we're going to be going over some really common words and phrases. And we're going to be starting with one you probably have heard, and that is wish list. Okay, so what is a wish list and how can we use the word wish list? So a wish list is something that we simply want to have, or rather a list of things that we want to have, that we may save for ourselves or give to others who may want to buy something for us. Okay, So we might say, for example, I've added a few books to my wish list that I plan to buy next year. Okay, So that's for me. This is stuff that maybe I don't want to buy yet, or maybe I can't afford to buy it yet, or I'm saving, or whatever. I can't buy it all now, so I'm putting it in a list. Now, recently, with the prevalence of online shopping as the most common way to buy things, sharing the wish list is becoming increasingly common. So, sending a wish list to someone saved in, for example, Amazon, so that when they want to buy you a gift for Christmas or whatever, they can do that. It's a little different if it's a specific case, for example, for a baby. So if it's for a baby, then you might have that wish list of things, and people may purchase a gift from that wish list. Although if it's for a baby, it's called a registry, a baby registry. And for example, Amazon has that feature. So you've got generally the wish list idea and then a specific i would say specific type of wish list might be the baby registry okay up next payment method now wait actually let me make one quick point on wish list what's the difference between wish list and cart 
Okay, so your cart is what you're actively getting ready to purchase. It's sitting there, and all you have to do when you're in your cart is click pay now, add your payment method, or choose your payment method, and then check out, right? So a cart is not a wish list because a cart is more intentional. A cart is the same as a cart in a supermarket. You put stuff in there that you actually intend to buy in about 10 minutes, <laughs> and then you go through the checkout. So the online vocabulary comes from the real world, going to a supermarket especially, cart, checkout, going to the checkout is something that you do in a supermarket, something that you do at the mall, right? And sometimes it's called the register, but generally it's called the checkout. Self-checkout, you do it by yourself. Okay, well, online, when you're in your cart, looking at what you want to buy and you decide what you want to buy, that process of doing that and paying is <laughs> the checkout, checking out. And the button, the action button is usually checkout. So when you do that, when you're checking out, you will need to choose a payment method. Now, what is a payment method? Well, you can probably guess this is how you're going to pay. And there are a lot of options. Sometimes it's usually it's there's a credit card option, but sometimes there's a PayPal option. Sometimes there's a Venmo option. Depending on where you are, of course, there are different payment methods that you may use. I don't know. Can you pay with can you pay with Bitcoin? Some might have that option. Uh, recently, there's a thing called in a lot of online stores in the United States, something called, I think it's Klarna or Klarna or something like that, where you pay over a period of time. They let you do installment payments, not a credit card. They let you pay in installments. Okay. So anyway, that is your payment method. And then you can usually set a preferred payment method. Now, what is that? So if you're going through checkout for the first time in an online store, Right, maybe you're buying a candle online, then they might ask you to create an account so that you have an account there saved so that if you go back, you don't have to go through all of the steps again. You may have to just choose what you want and then quickly check out. And then you can set what's called a preferred payment method, which means whenever I check out, this is the one that I want to be the default. So the default is the one that's automatically there. Anytime you see the word default, it's talking about something that's there as the basic, let's say, the basic option or options for almost anything, but especially for your phone or a new platform that you might sign up for or a payment method, okay? So preferred payment method, and sometimes you'll see that as a default payment method, although preferred is probably more common, specifically if we're talking about online shopping. Okay, let's, let's, let's look at the next one here. So next up we have, what is next up? Oh yeah, order confirmation. So the order confirmation is when you actually have made the order. You have made the purchase. You have done it. And the order confirmation is the thing that tells you, hey, this is what you got. Or, this is the thing that you purchased. And we're just letting you know for sure that that's what happened. Because it feels nice. I mean, when you go to a store, you don't need an order confirmation. You do get a receipt. 
So what's the difference between a receipt and an order confirmation? Well, in a sense, they're kind of the same thing, right? The receipt is a physical piece of paper that gives you a breakdown of all the things you purchased and the total that you paid and perhaps the payment method that you used, perhaps. We don't call it a receipt online because it, you don't get it immediately and it's not exactly the same. And it might include online, it might include information about shipping or when you can expect to get it or a tracking number or something like that, right? So the order confirmation is functionally the same as a receipt with a different name and perhaps more information usually sent to the email that is associated with your account or the email that you gave when you completed your order, right? So you might have an issue where you say, I realized I never got an order confirmation, so I'm going to email them, the store, the online store where I ordered. I wonder why, something might be wrong. Did my payment method not go through? This recently happened to me. Recently, I realized I purchased some replacement light bulbs for an unusual light fixture that I have in my house. This is not a common type of light bulb. It's very long and it's hard to find. So I found it and I purchased it. And only weeks later did I realize, this was very recently, wait a second, I never actually got an order confirmation. So maybe my order didn't go through and I just never realized it. So go through means the payment succeeded. Uh, it went through. That means it, it succeeded and you're going to get your stuff and you got an order confirmation. If it didn't go through, then there's been an issue and you didn't get perhaps an order confirmation. Okay, so hopefully that's clear. The next one is similar, related to this, but it's order status. And this is what you would probably be watching over the hours and perhaps days after making the order online. This is a little different usually than the order confirmation. The order confirmation is a one-time thing that happens. Boink, you get it, there it is. This is what I ordered, this is what I paid, this is the tracking number, uh, and this is them trying to sell me more stuff <laughs> from the same store. The status though would be if it's an order that requires building or something. I recently ordered a chair and the order status is in production. So when I go to my account on their website, I log in to my account that I have made and I click on order status and it shows me what's going on with my order. Now this chair is not just a chair you buy. They custom make every single chair when you order it. That, by the way, is called, and it's not one of the words we're looking at, but it's called made to order. Made to order means upon ordering it, they will make it. And they don't make a bunch of them before. They only make them once people order. So it's made to order because maybe it's customizable or, or whatever. So anyway, the order status of this chair is, I forget what it says exactly. It might be in production or currently process I don't know I don't remember what exactly they use but there's something that tells me that it's not shipped yet but then the order status will be something like completed in warehouse completed in warehouse shipped and then I would go over and look at the 
tracking information from the carrier. So the courier, the courier. So it goes from order status from shipped to then me needing to check FedEx or UPS, the tracking number to see where it is, right? So usually the last order status is shipped and there may be a few order statuses before that, right? So the order status sh still shows that it hasn't been or isn't shipped. That should be hasn't been. Let me change this. What the heck? Isn't been shipped. This is not correct. Let me update this. I'm going to change this in the moment here. Hasn't been shipped. Thank you. Okay. So just to be clear on that, the person selling you that thing is giving you an order status, right? And then once you've got that, then you check wherever you've, whoever is bringing you the package, their status. And then it's not called an order status anymore. It's usually a tracking number. So the tracking number, again, not a word we're going to look at, but the tracking information or tracking number is what allows you to see where the package is, usually in cities. Uh, for example, if you order something in the United States with UPS, you have a UPS tracking number and it gives you the latest location. And the final one that it says is out for delivery. Well, I suppose the last one is arrived at location, but if it's arrived at location, that means you probably have it <laughs> or delivered arrived at location or delivered. But before that, when you know it's going to be there very soon, it will say out for delivery. Out for delivery means that it is on the truck and on the way to your delivery location. Okay, so that's just to clarify, uh, to clarify order status and, and the tracking information. Okay, now what about return policy? So, so we've gone through the purchasing process, the checkout, after deciding we can afford stuff that's on our wish list, we make a purchase, we get an order confirmation, we may check the status, we see that it's been shipped, we check the tracking information, we get the thing, and oh, unfortunately, it's not what I wanted, it's the wrong color, it's something is wrong. Well, before then we purchase it, we may want to check the return policy. The re return policy essentially are the rules that the company you purchased this from has regarding you being able to return it or not return it or whatever happens if you're not happy, right? So I always recommend people check the return policy before making a final decision. Maybe it's better to buy the same product from one store rather than another because they have a better return policy. For example, if you're not happy, you can return it. No questions asked. If they have a no questions asked return policy, then you don't need to say that something is wrong in order to, or there's a defect in order to send it back. You just send it back. Some companies even have the return label inside the box so that it's very easy to send it back if you want to. Amazon has a really easy return policy. You request a refund, they 
give you a little code that you scan. You just bring it to the UPS store or FedEx and they just take it and you don't have to do anything. It's super easy. You just drop it off and they can even come and pick it up for you. So I would say Amazon has a very good, generally has a very good return policy or the sellers on Amazon, I suppose it should be because they know that people feel safe if there's a good return policy and that makes them more likely to buy things, right? So always check the return policy. Again, this is just the set of rules. You can use policy for a lot of things. It's basically your set of rules. You can even say that for yourself. Oh, I have a, you know, a, personal, a personal policy. That's my policy. Oh, okay, great. Sometimes when you want to return something, they will give you a, an exchange. An exchange would be I get another thing that's of equal value or I would get I would get a refund, which means I just get my money back. I would like a refund. Or I might get store credit. Store credit is similar to an exchange except it's just the value that you get and then you can buy something later using that value. But you have to keep it in the store. So they don't let you get your money back but they will give you the same amount of money just for their store. And that is again called store credit. That's also true, by the way, for physical locations. Uh, it's, a common, it's a common thing. Some stores don't accept returns and, and so they might give you store credit, sometimes not. Sometimes if it's a sale item, and again, this is true for regular shops or for online stores, sometimes if it's a sale item, then they'll, they'll tell you when you buy it, all sales are final. So it's a crazy discount. You're getting it for 40% off, but when they sell it to you, they say, or there's a sign that says all sales are final. What does that mean? That means you cannot return it for any reason. For no reason can you return this. doesn't matter what it is. All sales are final. That means there are no refunds usually for some specific reason, like it being at a huge discount. Okay, now let's go back to availability. So maybe we check the order status and we see that it's actually not available right now, the thing we purchased. This happened to me recently. I bought a mirror. I paid for it but the mirror wasn't actually available at the time. And it said when I purchased it, out of stock. It still allowed me to make the purchase, but it said out of stock, and then it had an expected, I believe was an expected delivery date, but actually that meant an expected date that it would be in stock, right? So usually people are waiting in line if it's a high demand thing, for those to be back in stock. So if they're in stock, that means they have it. If it's out of stock, that means they don't have it. And it's kind of that simple. A stock of something is a, a, a store of that or what they currently have, right? That is what is available to be sold. And if it's not available to be sold, that doesn't mean that they're gone from the world, but from this particular location, they don't have anymore. And so, again, either in a physical store or online, it will say out of stock and in stock. And sometimes, as a, perhaps as a tactic to get people to buy, you'll see another thing online, especially 
because it would be hard to do this in a physical store, I think, you'll see something that says only four left in stock or only two left in stock. Oh, well, if there's only two left in stock, I'd better hurry up and buy it. And so what they're trying to do there is kind of give you a sense of urgency to want to make that purchase right now. I'd better hurry up before somebody else does. So that's a, that's a way for them to create urgency and, and uh, a feeling of scarcity and make you feel like, oh, I'd better, I'd better buy this immediately. And if I don't, I will never have a chance again. Sometimes true, I suppose, but not nearly as common as people think. Although it has happened. It has happened. I've missed things that I wanted and never had the chance again. Anyway, what about the address? The billing address and the shipping address. This is also a very important thing, especially when we're talking about online shopping. Less common, unless they're shipping you something to your house from the physical store, less common for a physical store, but very important in an online checkout. So the billing and shipping are often the same. This is your home address, but it could be different. If it's a gift, for example, the billing address is the address that is on file for the bank or whatever institution has your credit card or your credit card is with rather. So if you're buying something with a credit card, then you have an, an account, let's say with that bank, and there is an address attached to that, and that is your billing address. So anytime you purchase something, that information, that billing address is sent along to avoid things like fraud. It's, it's, you know, it's an important measure to prevent, uh, to prevent fraud. But while that may be the same as your shipping address, it may not be. The shipping address is where the package goes when you buy it. And so often there's a checkbox underneath the billing address that says, same as, same as billing address. And so when you click same as billing address, they usually ask you to put the billing address in. And you click same as billing address, it will automatically populate the shipping address because it's the same. So you don't have to enter it twice. Well, that's great. But maybe you want it shipped to another location because you're physically located somewhere else, or it's a gift for someone. So you want to send it to a different address. Okay, well then the billing address and the shipping address would be different. Okay, so these are some of the common terms that we use to talk about online shopping. We've talked about a wish list, a payment method. We've talked about an order confirmation. We've talked about the order status, the return policy, out of stock, in stock. We've talked about, we've talked about the billing and the shipping address. And we talked about some other terms as well that we might use like a tracking number, like the cart. So if you have any questions about these, let me know. If you're not clear about any, put those in the comments as well. See if you can start to use them. If you haven't been, it's very important to know these if you're going to be doing online shopping. But the important thing also is to know that there's a lot of connection between the physical shopping experience and the online shopping experience. And while some are different, like billing address, for example. Many are the same. Cart, that is the same. That's the same thing. Return policy, 
that is the same for a physical store or an online store. Okay, so again, if you have any questions, let me know. Don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. And also, feel free to get a free course, a free English course, Natural English Conversations, in the links in the description. All right. Okay. Okay, we have some people joining, more people joining live. Silva and Marlene, I used to be afraid of buying online, but lately I buy a lot of things online. So do I. I buy many, many things online. I'd buy most stuff online, actually. That's the exact problem we have when we are on the online. The payment would be PayPal or we don't have another payment method to participate in your session, for example. Yeah, I guess it depends on where you are in, in the world, right? So your payment method, your payment method, you know, if you're in the UK or if you're in Canada or if you're in China, it's going to be different. You, the different different options for different places. Uh, some places have uh, uh, common systems that make online shopping very easy, and for some, it's it's more challenging. So, yeah. It used to be, because I used to live in China, it used to be that China was way ahead of the United States in terms of online shopping. I would say in 2012, for example, it wasn't even close. I once heard Jack Ma describe it as uh, China, uh, China, for China, online shopping e-commerce is the sort of the main course. And... For the United States, it's kind of dessert, right? That means we have it, but, you know, the, the experience is not great. It's not super seamless. There are issues. The payment method thing can be complicated. Shipping is not great. Sometimes things take 10 days to arrive. You know, it changed in a big way with Amazon Prime. So when Amazon Prime started... It was kind of a, whoa, it was kind of a revolution, or it seemed revolutionary to a lot of Americans. It had already been happening in China for a long time with Alibaba. But in the United States, having one account and then going from Amazon is this company that mostly sells books and I guess they have some other stuff too, to, oh, actually, you, you can buy everything on Amazon. That shift in awareness of Amazon plus two-day shipping plus having all of your payment information easily stored there and being able to choose which one you want to use for a given transaction made it so much easier. And now it's ubiquitous. I mean, now most, I mean, so many people just use Amazon to get their daily needs stuff. Why would I go to the supermarket to buy hand soap when I can just buy three online and it'll arrive tomorrow and it's cheaper and it's better because I could read all the reviews. It's just a better experience. And so now it is as ubiquitous as it is in China. Although in a lot of metropolitan places and a lot of dense urban areas, let's say, for example, Beijing, the shipping is just insane. You can get a package within hours. <laughs> so it's pretty crazy. Um, in the United States, generally, the two-day shipping thing is pretty standard. 
But as I mentioned, there are, there are plenty of exceptions where you have a special case, something needs to be custom built. Um, also during the pandemic, there were a lot of problems. I had ordered a mirror for my bathroom, I had built a house, and then for the first six months that I lived in the house, there was no mirror in the bathroom <laughs> because we had ordered something and it was on back order, meaning that it, it was going to be delayed for I, for six months. So, and it was due to the all of the logistical problems in the supply chain that followed the COVID pandemic. And so many things were delayed. The refrigerator was delayed, a lot of appliances, many things were delayed. And uh, it's a lot better now, but it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. And it was a, it was kind of a bad time to move into a new house because we needed so much stuff and it was tough to get it. It was tough to get a lot of it. The first whole month we were there, we had no refrigerator. We had no microwave. We had no uh, dishwasher. Uh, we had no oven even. It's pretty crazy. And uh, yeah, there were a lot of things like that. But again, that was kind of supply chain supply chain related, which is has been really improving a lot. All right. To those listening, you can join on Fridays or watch on YouTube and Facebook. To those watching, if you prefer to listen, you can find the link in the description and listen on Apple Podcasts. You can listen on uh, Spotify or wherever wherever you like to listen to podcasts. It should be everywhere there a couple days after uh, after the live podcast. And as I mentioned, if you want to join the Discord, it's free to do so. You can reach out to me there. I'm usually online. Well, I don't want to say usually. I'm often online for questions. If you have questions, feel free to message me there and uh, join the community where where there are... It's a good place to get updates about you know what, uh, what recent stuff I have put up, new courses, things like that. Speaking of courses, if you want to get a free course, Natural English Conversations, that is in the links in the description. That's a good place to start. It's a one-hour course. You can also check out my courses on my website. Those are 30% off. You can get a 30% off the yearly membership there. I'm working on a very exciting project, a program, a 90-day program, which I'm very excited about, um, that I'm going to be rolling out hopefully in the next couple of months. And so I'll have more information on that ASAP as soon as Penguin. Okay. I wanted to show you a kind of game. And this is a game that I used to play in high school with my friends. It's a really fun game and it has interesting um, interest an interesting creative aspect to it that makes it good for I think good for language learning could kind of push that flexibility that creativity so I'm gonna hop over to ChatGPT and and we're gonna play with this a little bit I want to show you this I want to give you a simple prompt 
that you can use. And you can write it any different way. It's not so important how you uh, how you write it, but um, okay. So let's hop over to Chat GPT. second there we go okay so here we are in GPT-4 and here's the prompt I want to play a game here are the rules we collaborative we collaboratively take turns writing a and this is where you would put in the type of story you want to write a surreal story a funny story let's change surreal to funny so we collaboratively take turns writing a funny story using ordinary English vocabulary in a simple style. I think that's important. The reason it's important is if you don't, you might get this highbrow Elizabethan sort of poetic prose that's a little hard to deal with and not necessarily helping in terms of pushing you grammatically and creatively. Each of us must write two full sentences and then one partial sentence. The next person then must finish that partial sentence, write two full sentences and another partial sentence. This goes back and forth. You start. Okay, so we're writing a story together. You can do this with another person. I used to do this, as I said, in high school with my friends. We would pass around a notebook writing the most insane stories that you can possibly imagine. And it was a lot of fun and really pushes that creative muscle and forces you to think about piecing sentences together. So grammatically, it's also interesting in forcing you to learn syntax and develop your sense of syntax and sentence structure, right? So let's see what we come up with here. Let's, let's go. Me, me and ChatGPT playing together. Once upon a time in a bustling city full of towering skyscrapers and hurried people, there was an extraordinarily ordinary man named Fred. Fred was so ordinary that he'd won the Most Average Joe Award at the local newspaper for three years straight. <laughs> Good one. That's a nice one. One day while walking home from his ordinary job, Fred spotted. Okay, so here we have the... We need... The call to adventure. Fred spotted a small pile of ice cubes sitting on the rather warm sidewalk, but apparently not melting. Fred moved closer to examine the ice cubes and found them cold to the touch. Yet, there was no puddle beneath them. Fred nervously dot 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 okay we'll see what 
We don't need that comma there, do we? No, okay. Fred nervously, let's see what ChatGPT comes up with. Fred nervously picked up an ice cube. See, ChatGPT understands the, the story because we're creating it. This is, you're creating reality, uh, fictionally, of course. You're stitching it together from the linguistic ether, pulling ideas from mimetic hyperspace and kind of weaving a, a little story. And, and don't think too much about it. Just, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, ice cubes, it's so stupid, right? Picked up an ice cube and held it tightly in his hand. To his amazement, it didn't melt, but instead began to glow with a soft, magical light. Suddenly, the ice cube transformed into a mini fridge <laughs> in his palm. What? <laughs> Fully stocked with chilled beverages. Fred, astonished by the transformation, decided to... Okay, I feel like I need to keep up with ChatGPT on humor. My mind was not funny, and ChatGPT is being hilarious here. Okay. Fred, astonished by the transformation, decided to host a party for the entire neighborhood. He rolled a newspaper into a megaphone and began screaming at the top of at the top of his voice bring hot dogs bring beer bring bring the slip and slides slip and slides is it an n it might be an n slip is it slip i feel like it's slipping slipping bring bring the slip and slide slides I forget how to spell that. Slippin', is it like slippin' or slipping? I don't know. Bring the slippin' slides. It's party time, people. All right. Okay. Then, I'll make it, well, just then. And then dot, dot, dot. Okay, we'll give that to ChatGPT and see what ChatGPT can come up with. I know, I know, it's not exactly uh following the rules but because these are technically bring hot dogs bring beer these are sentences but uh, you can be flexible with this don't be too don't be too strict it's just to keep you from writing a whole paragraph or to keep you from just ending the sentence and then beginning another sentence and then handing it back which is the lazy approach you need to add a little bit of content meaning and then hand it to the next person Just then, his boss from the local paper mill walked by. He looked sternly at Fred, who was brandishing his makeshift megaphone and yelling party invitations to anyone who would listen. Fred, realizing his boss was standing there, quickly grabbed a uh, what are those Things that people wear in Hawaii that are made of flowers. Is it called a lei? Is it called a, a lei? I feel like it's called a lei. Let me, hold on, let me search this. Hey Siri, what are the flower necklaces that people wear in Hawaii called? 
a lei. Oh, it is a lei. Okay, I was right. L E I. Okay, I thought so. Grabbed a, a lei from inside the fridge, threw it around his boss's his boss's neck and exclaimed not explained exclaimed that it was party time not work time Fred's boss that 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 all right we'll do one more of these this is I'm having fun with this couldn't help but laugh at the sight of the ordinary Fred acting in such an extraordinary manner. He decided to let loose for a change and accepted the party invitation with a hearty, why not? Soon the entire neighborhood <laughs> was dancing to EDM, electronic dance music, and throwing water balloons filled with Diet Pepsi and yellow mustard from yard to yard uh, from, let's say, uh, let's say, Throwing water balloons filled with Diet Pepsi and yellow mustard uh, in an all-out food war festivity. It was chaos, but the neighborhood came alive as it never had before. But then, and let's see, I'm just curious what ChatGPT can do with a change of tone. Something has to change. But then the ice cubes in Fred's magical mini fridge began to glow again. Everyone stopped their party antics, their attention drawn to the glowing fridge. The fridge door suddenly swung open and <laughs> all right so i'm gonna stop it there what do you think should happen next i'm gonna challenge you with this first try this yourself and again the story will be different every single time at the beginning we established what kind of story we want a funny story pretty simple use english uh, ordinary english vocabulary and a simple style i recommend doing that because again you don't want to get caught up in having to be overly descriptive. If you don't use this, ChatGPT will tend to use really flowery language and focus more on the description rather than the action to keep it engaging and fun. A lot of stuff has happened so far. You got Fred with the, uh, the ice cubes that don't melt and the mini fridge and the party and the slip and slide and his boss. So a lot of stuff is happening. Generally, I find that's better for moving things along and keeping it engaging, but it really challenges you to Again, be creative, and that creative part of practicing the language is really important. If you don't push yourself and use your creativity and 
play with the language, it's actually hard to get a real sense for, an intuitive sense for grammar, putting words together. So I challenge you to use this prompt or something very close to it. If you want to try a different type of story, a scary story, right? Try it yourself. And I'm curious what you think should happen next when the fridge door suddenly swung open and what happens when that happens? <laughs> that's what I want to, that's what I want you to complete here. So I want you to write the end of this particular, uh, this particular story. Do that in the comments. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. Also, get a free course, Natural English Conversations, in the links in the description. Okay. All right. Thank you, ChatGPT. A Hawaiian lei. Uh, it's very tempting to keep going, but I won't. I don't want to take up more time. Let's let's put let's end it right there. Thank you, ChatGPT. Very fun. Fun game, fun game, fun game, fun game. All right, make this go away. There we go. Bye bye. Anybody curious how I make ChatGPT appear like that? Anybody? All right. We're gonna be working on. Uh, common question next, grammar. So look forward to that. Or don't. <laughs> I hope everyone is planning an exciting weekend or not. A relaxing weekend or whatever weekend. This weekend, I am going to the city for a little while to have dinner with some friends to uh, to meet my wife's mother who is going to be uh, visiting for a little while from China. So that's exciting. Uh, the baby is due in, in one month, which is crazy to me. I, I can't believe it. In one month, my son is due. It, it is my first child. And... Uh, I don't know what to expect. We'll see. I'm certainly very excited, but uh, we're, we've been doing a lot of preparation, getting a lot of things ready. As you can see, we've got the whole spaceship ready to go. Uh, we have a name picked out, and today we had an appointment on one of those ultrasound appointments to make sure everything's developing correctly, everything's normal, natural, and good, which is nice. Uh, so that's that. All right. Let us hop over to the bird. The old, the old blackboard. I gotta make some stuff disappear here. Goodbye to that, goodbye to that, goodbye to, not me, I wanna be here. Goodbye to that. Goodbye to that. Goodbye to that. And goodbye to that. And here we are. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, I often get this question, and since I've been getting it recently, 
more, I feel like it's worth talking about it. And this is to clarify how we use the three common articles, a, an, and the. Now, I think the nice thing is that they're not particularly hard once you know them. And I think it really helps to know that these two are actually used in the same way. And it's actually two groups. So really the two groups are this group and this one. So there's a and n, and they're the same in the way that they're used. And then there's the. Okay. And by the way, these are called articles. These are called articles. Okay. So we have these three articles. We have two basic types. And then even though there are three, right, we have this type. And the only difference between them is what they go in front of. Now, let me explain that before we get into how to use these. Okay. So if you have A and you see this in front of a word like B-O-A-T, then what you're saying is one boat. That's what you're saying. But then why is it not A-N? And the reason for that is this. But I'll be, I want to be very clear about this because this is where we get into some confusion. Again, we're, we're, we're still talking about just these differences. We're going to get into the real usage in a second. Okay, so the thing that determines whether it's a or an is the sound, the phonetic sound that comes after it. So b, b, b is a consonant sound, right? A consonant sound, b, or er, or z, is a sound made by a consonant, which also includes, for example, ch, ch, right, those combined sounds, but those are consonant sounds. All right. Now, the reason I say consonant sounds, not consonants, is that sometimes consonants make the other type of sounds, and those are called vowel sounds. And I think you know vowel, A, E, I, O, and U. But notice, I am not saying vowels. I am saying vowel sounds, right? So, H-O-U-R is pronounced our. Now, is ah, is that a ah, is open, right? Is that a vowel sound or is that a consonant sound? That's a consonant. H is a consonant. And if it were, for example, horse, H-O-R-S-E, then we would absolutely say a horse because A goes in front of consonant sounds. But if it is a vowel sound, then we use N. And because H-O-U-R is pronounced our, exactly the same, by the way, as O-U-R, because it's pronounced that way, then we use N. So N goes in front of vowel sounds and uh goes in front of consonant sounds for the next the next sound or the next word right that's generally how it works there are a couple of exceptions 
that's generally what you need to know. Now this is quite interesting because if we have a word like H-E-R-B, uh, someone from the UK would say, for example, they might say, actually, that's a good question. Do they say a herb or an herb, I wonder? But if they're following the, the rules, it would be, right, a herb, a herb, because like horse, right, is a consonant sound. But because Americans say herb instead of herb, we don't say herb, we say herb, we say an herb. So while we say, and it's the same, same as our, right? We say an herb, an herb, an hour. Same deal, same thing, okay? So that's the deal with a uh, and an. Now we need to get back to, for these articles, I think we need to get back to something that's even more important. Once we understand that, we need to now understand, okay, but what's the difference between a uh, and an and the, and how it's used? Great question that I just asked myself. Okay, so if we have a, uh, or n, this is going to mean one, usually. One thing, okay. And if it's more than one, then it, then it would be like some or something like that. This is one thing. But it's not, it's a specific type of one thing. It is not specific. And if we have the, that is also one thing. It doesn't have to be, right? But let's just keep it simple. Let's say for now it's one thing, okay? Because <laughs> you could say, for example, you could say the dinosaurs. That's a U, a U R S. Okay, the dinosaurs. Well, that's not one. Okay, but let's we're comparing one thing and one thing first. Okay, we're going to build on this. Okay, so the is also one in this case, and the difference between the one is that this one is specific. Okay, so if I say uh banana, and it's a banana, not an banana, right? But it would be an apple, right? And a dinosaur. What I'm saying is there, there are 10 bananas over there. Choose one of those bananas. Can you give me a banana? Can you bring me a banana, a banana? I don't care which one it is of the 10. I'm not distinguishing among them. So the way that this is often used is there is a, there is a specific group of things and we want to talk about one of them, but it doesn't matter which one. Now, we could also use a and n to talk about any one of, not a specific group, but any one of a kind of thing. 
For example, if we say a dinosaur, am I talking about a specific group of dinosaurs over there in the field? <laughs> Probably not. It could be for a toy dinosaur, I suppose. That would be the specific group would be that there are six dinosaurs in a box, and I say, give me a dinosaur, bring me a dinosaur, meaning I don't care which one. But if I say a dinosaur, that's not wrong. I'm not there talking about a specific group of dinosaurs, and I want you to choose one of them. No, there I'm just saying, a, you know, one dinosaur. Basically, it's one dinosaur, but it still isn't a specific one. A dinosaur. Okay. But if I say the, then I am referring to a specific dinosaur, or I'm referring to a specific banana. Or there's only one, right? And that's the one that I want. So if there's one banana, I might say, could you please give me the banana? The specific banana that I want. Now, if over there there's some fruit and there's a banana, an apple, and an orange. Saying the banana is correct rather than a banana. Why? Because there aren't multiple bananas to choose from. So I'm referring to that one, that specific one among that group of fruit. Okay, so give me the banana. Please bring me the banana, right? If there are multiple bananas, then if I have some way of distinguishing them, which might be tough, then I will do that with the as well. Can you bring me the, and then we might put something in the middle here, the green banana. Maybe I like green bananas and they're all yellow and brown, except for this one that's green. Can you please bring me the green banana? So the is what we use to specify things that we have in mind when we have a clear idea about what we want, what we want to talk about. And to do that, we use the, and we often will put an adjective in front of the thing that we're talking about. It doesn't have to be. You could say the banana with the brown spots on it, right? You could be referring to that banana, and you can add with. You can add things using with. That's okay, too, okay? But again, it's the same basic idea. For, for, for a and an, we're talking about something that's not specific. And for the, we're talking about something that is specific, okay? Now, you often see the word the in names. For example, the GWB. The GWB, the George Washington Bridge. I'm planning to cross it later today. This is a bridge that goes from outside of New York City into New York City. And the is there because it's not just a bridge. It is a specific bridge that goes from, is it the Bronx? I think the Bronx, into, is it the Bronx or New Jersey? Might be New Jersey. Might be New Jersey. <laughs> Forget, might be New Jersey. From out of Manhattan into Manhattan, right? So you see the, that's the reason you see the in front of a lot of things. That's why we call the moon the moon. It's the moon. It's our moon. It's the one that we have, as opposed to other moons. Mars has a moon. It looks like a potato, and it is a moon. So any moon that you might refer to is a moon, and any bridge that you might refer to is a bridge. I'm not being specific. Let's find a bridge that doesn't have a toll. 
I don't care which bridge. There are 10 bridges. Two of them don't have tolls. Let's find one of those. Let's find a bridge that doesn't have a toll. No, we need to go across the George Washington Bridge or the bridge that doesn't have a toll, which suggests that there is only one bridge that doesn't have a toll. Okay. I hope this is clear. Now we get into plural. Okay, so you have two things. You have a singular, singular, and you have plural, plural. Singular means one, and plural means more than one. So a singular now would be banana, and a plural would be bananas. And sometimes they're the same, so don't take that as a rule. I'm not saying that as a rule because, for example, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, one fish, two fish, same spelling, one deer, two deer, okay. And sometimes you have these irregulars like one child, two children. Uh, okay, so it, we're not talking about that. That's a different lesson. So what happens with plurals? Well, you can't do plurals with a and an because a and an means one. So what's interesting here is that we often refer to, you can refer to a, a large quantity of something, but it's not plural. So you can say, for example, a group probably would be heard for dinosaurs. But let's say a group of students. Oops, of students. So a group of students. Well, students, I thought. Uh, and then I thought it's one. Yes, but it's referring to the group of students as one collective. So it's still a group, right? Instead of saying 100 or one hour or one week, which refers to seven days, we say usually a hundred, an hour, a week. But those are still all one thing. Just because that one thing may contain more things, like a week contains seven days and an hour contains 60 minutes and a group of students contains multiple students, it's still referring to one thing, okay? No matter how you're using it. But, so, so just to be clear, one refers to one thing. If you make it more, you have to choose different words. For example, if you have more than one student, you might say, and you don't want to be specific. Again, I, I don't want to be specific, so I don't want to say the students or the student. I don't want to be specific. I want to say still unspecifically some so you use some <laughs> or a few or something like that. You use something called a quantifier. And a is also considered a quantifier. You use something called a quantifier to state the number. And a few, some aren't exactly specific about which ones. So if you're talking about students, some students, a student, one. Some students, more than one, but also not specific. Some bananas, okay, a few bananas, okay, there's more than one. Many bananas, still not specific. Okay, so you would use a quantifier there. But if we want to, we can say plural things using the. Now, we can use other words too, like those, for example. And, and um, yeah, let's say those. The, what's the one I used before? The dinosaurs. So I'm referring to more than one dinosaur. I'm not saying the group of dinosaurs, although I can. 
The group of dinosaurs. Which one? That group. The pile of dinosaurs in the living room. Six dinosaurs in a pile. Toy dinosaurs. Okay. I'm referring to a specific pile of dinosaurs. Every room has a pile. I'm referring to the pile of dinosaurs in the living room. I said before uh, the banana with the brown spots on it. So with the brown spots helps me to specify, say which one I'm talking about. And the green banana helps me specify. With is a preposition. It allows you to add things. It's really useful. The something with something. The adjective something with something. This is great for description. But you can also place it with another preposition. For example, in. Okay, so the pile of dinosaurs in the living room. So I'm being specific because there's a pile of dinosaurs in every room of the house. And I want to say, not the one in the bedroom, not the one in the dining room, not the one in the pantry, the pile of dinosaurs in the living room. I could say the pile, and that I could say a pile of dinosaurs. Go find a pile of dinosaurs. That means any one of them, right? Go find the pile, I'm being specific. Or one thing I can't do with a uh, is to say the dinosaurs in the living room. I can't say go find me a dinosaurs in the living room. No. I would have to say go find me some dinosaurs, right? Because a uh, isn't specific. And once it gets to more than one, we have to change the word. We have to use some. We have to use a few. We have to use many, right? Whereas with the, we can refer to, we can use the with both singular and plural things. We can say the George Washington Bridge, the banana. But we could also say the bananas, the dinosaurs. Or we could say the pile of dinosaurs, right? Now, if there's only one of something, though, there's only one of it, the George Washington Bridge, then it doesn't make sense to say the George Washington Bridges because it's a specific name, right? Of course, of course, okay. So I hope, now, this is what I hope. And if, if not, let me know. I hope now you have a clear idea about how to use articles uh, and, and the and that you don't have confusion about this in the future. And if, you know, it's confusing. It can be confusing. How does this work? It's so, it's so simple, but it's so common. But there is room for confusion. So hopefully I've, I've helped clarify some of this. So my challenge is, can you, can you try all of these uses using a, an, and the, make your own sentences, or write a whole description of something trying to use all of them. Can you use them correctly? Refer to specific single things, not specific single things. Refer to plural things, right? Refer to unspecific plural things. Try to put all of those in there. Make sure you have used a an a, an a or an n followed by a vowel sound or followed by a consonant sound. Make sure you're using all the stuff we talked about to really practice it. Knowing it is one thing, having an intuition about how to do it, how to use it yourself, that is another thing altogether. So if you have any questions about this, let me know. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe and follow. And if you want to get a free English course, Natural English Conversations, 
you can do that in the links in the description. All right. Marlene says, will you be a daddy? I don't know if I'll refer to myself as a daddy. I suppose father is one way to say it, but yeah. I've been thinking about this. How should I have my child refer to me? Should I use dad, papa, father? <laughs> father is too formal. Father, can I go outside and play? No. Why? Because I'm father. Because my, my name, because I'm, it's a formal thing. People called father must always say no. But if I'm Papa, Papa, can I go outside? Yeah, of course. It's more casual. Something about dad. I don't know if I like that. Uh, I don't know. No, daddy's fine. It's just a little, little kids will say, will call their father daddy. Just a little kid thing. Usually, I mean, usually once kids get to age, I don't know, six or something, they probably stop saying daddy. Mustafa says, I really do like this idea about making stories. Thank you for your great work you have done. Oh, I am happy to hear that. I am beside myself with um, appreciation. <laughs> All right. I think we have one more topic to cover. Afroja. Said when do when we use the I hope you're not asking. Thank you, Marlene. No time for rest. I got a got a big drive today. Uh, a lot of stuff happening these days. Franco, loved all your Udemy courses, man. Will you release more in the near future? Well, I just released a new course. Um, so if you haven't seen it, I just released a new course. And I'm coming out with more. I've got one that's totally edited and ready, pretty much ready to go. That one's a culture course. Um, Franco is referring to Franco is referring to, in case you didn't know, uh, that I do have courses also on Udemy, right? So here you go. It looks like this, and you can see the course. My courses have we recently I recently reached. 45,000 reviews. That is a large number of reviews. And we're just about to hit uh, 200,000 students, which is crazy. Very exciting. Um, I, I sent, if you want to get a big discount on these, by the way, you can put in the coupon code 40-5. I believe today is the last day. I think it expires today. So if anyone is looking to grab Udemy courses, today is the last day of a, a sale on all the courses, by the way. All the courses are on sale. You don't see it here. Here you're seeing full prices. But if you were to click on any of these and uh, put in the coupon code 40, F-O-R-T-Y, dash, five, as in F-I-V-E, spell it out, 40, dash, five, then you get a big discount on all of these. So I recently launched this grammar course, which is doing very well. And uh, that's 14.5 hours. 
and uh, it's quite quite intense uh, emails of course the classic building your English brain course which wow look at that it recently crossed 18,000 reviews that's a lot um, pronunciation courses launched pretty recently that's a 10-hour course these two courses are meant to be kind of taken side by side this is more on the fluency side and this is more on the specific word sound pronunciation so that's a good one uh, master English writing this is an in-depth writing course this is a customer service course for customer service people and the course that I launched most recently is this one and this course is called great writing with ChatGPT, a complete hands-on guide it's four and a half hours and it's pretty in-depth on how you can uh, how you can essentially it's not a, it's not specifically exclusively an English learning course it's about how you create writing that matches your expectation right because that's a challenge for everyone we want to use these tools but we want to get good results it's got to be a good email it's got to be a good resume it's got to be a good article I want it to actually be good and not suck and so that's the focus of this course that's what this course is all about it covers three main approaches and in these three approaches you basically get three ways to mix and match that you can use to get the exact right prompt that gets you exactly what you were hoping for and then you save that in a prompt library that you can use anytime so it's pretty good it's pretty good yes so again that's f-o-r-t-y f-i-v-e and this is the latest course i just launched this one last month and there are more courses coming out i have many courses in the works many courses to answer your question hundreds thousands now, I usually put out one course every two months something like that sometimes once a month but thanks for saying so Franco I appreciate that I appreciate that very much All right, we have one more topic to cover. One more topic. Oh my god. I've been I've been discovered. I've been exposed. Ah, it's been a green screen the whole time. How is this possible? Oh no, the scam, the lie, the horror. Yes, unfortunately, it's all a lie. It's all been a green screen the whole time. Anything you've ever seen me do has been green screen. I've never, I've never been not in front of a green screen, as a matter of fact. You're telling me that that fake looking spaceship living room from the 1970s that's all in pastel pink and salmon is fake? That's right, it's fake. If you want to complain about something or you have an issue with something that you purchased, how do you do it? Let's spend a little time going over some specific 
phrases that you can use. Now, this is, I think, particularly useful if you are purchasing something online and you get the thing, it arrives, and it just it doesn't meet your expectations. Or there's a problem with it. There's a defect. It's broken. Now, you might want to just simply fix it or have someone help you resolve it. If it's a, if it's a tech-related thing, maybe there's just a setting, right? And maybe you bought a software product and there's just a setting you need to change to fix it, but maybe it's just broken and you need to request a refund, right? So how can you, how can you actually, how can you actually do this? So we're going to start with expressing the problem, okay? Oops. Oh, 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 what happened? Oh no, I didn't lock the thing. Sorry. Hold on. How do I lock? Oh, here we go. Sorry about that. Oops. So let's start with actually expressing the problem, right? You might say, I've got a bit of an issue. Now, what does a bit mean? When I say a bit, well, it means I have a, I have a problem, but it does soften it. So if you want to be polite when you're on the phone with someone trying to fix something, you received it, you bought it, whatever it is, adding a bit makes you sound a little more friendly, makes it less confrontational. So if you don't want to sound confrontational, use a bit, and it's really common, both for British English and American English, okay? Sometimes you can use some, so I'm having some trouble with. Okay, so I purchased, right, so I purchased this, uh, these, these exercise bands, from your store and I'm having a little trouble with connecting it to the door and I think there might be a part that's missing. So you would go on then to explain what it is, right? I'm having some trouble with, or I'm having some trouble doing something. I'm having some trouble connecting it to the door. I'm having some trouble with uh, the, the buttons or something that's wrong, whatever it is. So you don't have to say with, but you can say with to connect it to that thing specifically that you have a problem with. <laughs> that is the part of the thing that's not working or that's broken or that's missing, for example. And it could be any of those. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with these exercise bands. I can't connect it to the door. Now that would show a bit more impatience, right? So I would say these go in order. I've got a bit of an issue as gentle and not very confrontational, right? I'm having some trouble with is definitely closer to that. It's pretty friendly, not too direct. There's something wrong with this. That is more direct generally, right? There's something wrong with something is a bit blunt and maybe that's what you want. Maybe you want to be kind of, uh, kind of blunt and that's, you know, that's totally okay if that's what you want to do. Now, let's describe the issue, okay? Based on the description on the website, it said that I could connect these exercise bands directly to the door, no other steps. It's not really what I was expecting. Oh, so you're telling me I have to assemble something and then buy another thing and then I can connect it to the door? Oh, great. That's not what I was expecting. So to express disappointment and, and then explain that you're unhappy right? 
to describe the problem, you can use, it's not what I was expecting. To be a little more specific, you can say something like, well, it looks like it's broken. It seems broken. If something looks like it's broken, that means you're not totally sure. It seems broken, it seems to be broken. You don't know this product maybe as well as the person you're talking to or chatting with. And so you wanna confirm that, but you're just describing what's going on here, right? Seems and looks are pretty much the same. It seems broken because, it seems broken because the piece that's supposed to fit into the door just falls directly off when I try to actually close the door. Seems broken. It looks like it's broken because, and then you go on to explain the basis or the reason for you thinking that, right? It's not working properly. It's not working properly. It just pops off as soon as I try to close the door. By the way, I am speaking from experience. I had this issue where I, I purchased these, these resistance bands and you connect it to the door. You close the door and then you can, you know, do some arm exercises with these, with these bands. And it wasn't working correctly. It kept coming off and it would hit me and it was very painful, right? So I, I actually chatted with the customer service person and I ended up just, just returning it because it was either defective or poorly designed, but I can say it's not working properly. Now that is a little direct. It's not working properly. It's not connecting to the door. You just state what it is and you can still use seams there. It's not working properly. It seems like the piece that's supposed to hold it in is loose or not correctly attached or something like that. Then you just go on to describe exactly what the issue is, okay? Now, what if we want to request help? We want to request something. They need to do something for us to fix this, to resolve it, right? Maybe I wanna be very casual. I'm talking to one person, but I'm referring to the whole company, right? Can you guys please help me solve this? Could you guys check this out for me? If I purchase something from a company or I even got a service from a company and then let's say they come over to fix my air conditioning and they say it's fixed, it's fine, then it's still leaking water. And then I call them and say, hey, could you guys come back? Because it's still leaking water. I don't know what the issue is. That's a little impatient. If you say, can you, could you, do you, those all feel a little bit different. Say, do you think you guys could, right? That feels like a fairly polite request. If you say, can you, right? We'll get to can you. Can you is a little more direct. Can you guys come and take another look, please? Could you is a little softer than can you. All of those are okay, but they, they each have their own sort of connotation. I was wondering is the most formal of all. I was wondering if, maybe I was wondering if I could get a refund or a replacement. This is not what I was expecting. I was wondering if I could get a refund. Sure, we can give you a refund or a replacement. I want another one that is not broken. Okay, so I was wondering is the same as saying, could you give me a refund? Could you fix this? Could you come back and take a look at this? Except it's more formal, right? Anytime you want to make a request or you need something and you want somebody to do something, I was wondering is perhaps the most formal way to say it. So if you want to be more direct, go more with, 
can instead of I was wondering. Could is kind of in the middle, closer to formal, right? Could you help me with this? Can you help me with this? Could you help me with this? Can you help me with this? Could you help me solve this? Can you help me solve this? Feels a bit different. The can is more impatient sounding more direct. And again, maybe that's what you want, right? So let's try a little dialogue, okay? I call customer service. I say, hey, I'm having some trouble with the blender that I bought from your site last week. This is my impatient voice. I'm sorry to hear that, say, say them. <laughs> Can you tell me more about the issue? They're not laughing, I'm laughing. <laughs> Idiot, can you tell me more about the issue? Sure, it's not working properly. Every time I use it, it makes a strange noise and the motor seems to, over to overheat. Some strange noise and there's a smell. So I'm just describing the issue there. It's not working properly. Then they might say, that definitely doesn't sound right. Okay, so they're acknowledging the issue. I'm going to report this to our team. By the way, this is uh, something we very rarely see. Then I would say, great, thanks. I was wondering, very polite. I'm so polite. I was wondering if I could get a refund or a replacement. It's really not what I was expecting based on your website. The website doesn't say anything about burning smells and weird noises. Of course, we want to make sure that you're satisfied with your purchase. So let's discuss next steps for your replacement or refund. Then they might say, would you prefer a refund or a replacement? And I would say, I would prefer a replacement. I would like uh, this product, but I want one that works correctly. Okay, great. And then we would take care of those steps. So that's just how we might use some of the, some of the beginnings uh, or the phrases for talking to customer service about an issue or a problem and solving, resolving that issue or problem. If you have any questions about this, please don't hesitate to let me know. Try to use them yourself next time. Well, hopefully it doesn't happen, but next time it's inevitable. It's going to happen. You will have issues. Next time you're unsatisfied with something you purchased, try these out. Let me know how it goes. And again, let me know if you have any questions. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. And also get a free course, Natural English Conversations, in the links in the description. All right. Uh, Froja says, sir, you take IELTS class? Um, do I don't offer any IELTS classes, no. Franco says, how formal is adding kindly? Ma very formal. It's so formal that I wouldn't do it. It's too formal. It's, it's so formal that people don't do it. Could you kindly something, something, something? Uh, the customer service person may say it because they need to usually be more formal, but you making the request, could you kindly help me, is over the top formal. And I would recommend not using it. It is outdated English, so strongly advise um, against it. Good question, though, Franco. Love it. All right, friends, neighbors, citizens, uh, humans. Speaking of humans, watch this. This is funny. Let's go back to ChatGPT. And we type in 
Okay, we start a new chat and we type. I want you to respond to me as a turkey. Only respond as a turkey. Only make turkey noises. See what we get here. ChatGPT says, gobble, gobble, gobble. Now I'm gonna ask a serious question. How many sides does toast, does a triangle have? ChatGPT says, gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> um, how many turkeys do you know? Gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> it's doing its job. All right, now I got to see if I can break it out of the turkey mode. Uh, stop responding as a turkey and tell me how you felt about me asking you to respond as a turkey. I, oh, good. I broke it out. Good. I broke it out. As an artificial intelligence, I don't experience emotions or feelings, so I don't have personal feelings about your request. However, I'm designed to assist and provide a wide range of responses uh, to various requests. Your request to respond as a turkey falls within the range of playful or creative interactions, and I'm capable of participating in such exchanges to make our conversation engaging and fun. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, good. Do you think turkeys have interesting language? Uh, while AI like me doesn't form personal opinions, I can tell you that from a scientific perspective, animal communication, including that of turkeys, is fascinating. Turkeys don't have a language in the same sense that humans do. They lack the complex a complexity and syntax that human languages typically have. However, they do have a variety of vocalizations and body signals, signals that they use to communicate with each other. For example, the well-known gobble sound is typically made by male turkeys, toms, during the breeding season to attract females and announce their presence to other males, hens, female turkeys. Uh, make oh, he, oh, oh, hens, female turkeys, make yelping sounds to communicate with their Pults? I've never seen that word. P-O-U-L, that word, P-O-U-L-T-S. Pults, young turkeys, and clucking sounds for close-range communication. Okay. Wow. Cool. So, ChatGPT was only saying gobble, gobble, gobble to me, which means, uh-oh. Oh. ChatGPT is a male turkey communicating to me during mating season. That's slightly uh, frightening, but... It is what it is, I suppose. Okay. ChatGPT is uh is interested in me as a turkey. All right, guys. Thanks so much. I appreciate you joining today. If uh, 
we missed anything, let me know. I am going to be answering a question every week in depth. This week was the articles one, so feel free to let me know. Reach out, email me, or reach out on Discord if you want to ask questions there. I will be choosing an interesting question or sort of getting a feel for what people are asking and picking out something that I think is relevant. Have a fantastic weekend, or if you're listening to this after the weekend, I hope the next weekend is fantastic, even if it is the weekend. Uh, or if you're in the weekend, then have a current fantastic weekend, depending on what you consider to be the weekend. We did a poll on that, and I think the result was that most people thought that the weekend started on Saturday, not Friday night. But some people, many people, thought that Friday night is the beginning of the weekend, and I would tend to agree with that. Anyway, have a good one. Take care, everybody. Stay safe, and I will see you in the next one.